After its members were spotted, some arrested and charged, at the Capitol Hill ride in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, the far-right group The Proud Boys have caught the attention of politicians in Canada. Members of Parliament passed a motion on January 25th calling on the government to declare the Proud Boys a terrorist entity. But some wonder whether it's the right approach to crack down on such groups. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Freelance investigative journalist Justin Ling, who has spent years investigating extremist groups, joins me to discuss the motivation behind the motion, why the move is problematic, and what a better approach could be to deal with the Proud Boys and others. Don't forget you can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Justin, for many people, their first interaction with the term the Proud Boys may have been this week with the news out of Parliament, or maybe even as far back as the fall during the presidential debate between former President Trump and now President Joe Biden when they were debating whether Donald Trump is responsible for calling out right-wing extremists who support him. So for the uninitiated, who are the Proud Boys? The Proud Boys are kind of by definition an extremist group. They like to call themselves Western chauvinists, which is a very kind of cute way of describing what is an anti-feminist, anti-Islamic, xenophobic, racist, anti-Semitic, conspiratorial mindset that is kind of fundamentally white supremacist. They believe in, quote unquote, preserving Western values, usually at the expense of immigrants and refugees and other religions and other races and LGBTQ people and so on and so forth. The group is only a handful of years old. It was set up by vice co-founder Gavin McGuinness, who, of course, over the last sort of decade has gone off on this odyssey of far-right politics. It kind of got its start as a social club. It has morphed into a protest group, into almost a militia in many respects. And it has popped up, of course, in the US, but abroad, worldwide, and in Canada. If you recall just a couple of years ago, a contingent of uh, of Proud Boys found themselves under investigation by the Canadian forces after confronting Indigenous demonstrators in Halifax. So these folks have been around for a bit. They've shifted and changed focus a little bit. They've linked up with other groups. They were a part of the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville a couple years back. Mm -hmm. So they've sort of been in this milieu of far-right groups that have, have really seen a rise in the last five, six years or so. So you say they started out as a social club. Were they always seen as an extreme hate group or, you know, they started out as, you know, a group of people who espoused far right views, but, you know, weren't necessarily out to do any actual harm and they became something worse. It was there a progression with them? Kind of. You saw this sort of tug of war going on with the organization. Gavin McGinnis, who has always been a bit of an extremist in his politics, has sort of played footsie with the idea of making the Proud Boys into a more hard right, sort of violent organization. In one breath, he would say he disavows violence, but in the next breath, he would say that he wants the organization to go out and start throwing punches at Antifa and Black Lives Matter and so 
on and so forth. Although he has kind of consistently said, you know, despite his own sort of musings on the topic, that they're not a white supremacist organization, that in fact, they're sort of more on the more moderate side of the alt-right, which I realize is a difficult concept to map for many people. <laughs> yeah. But you've also seen sort of a crisis in leadership there. Gavin McGinnis has sort of gone away. You've seen others fill that void, and they've sort of gone back and forth in terms of encouraging or at the very least not condemning violence perpetrated by Proud Boys members. They caught national attention again after the riot or the insurrection or the attack on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. What was their role there? What was their involvement in the goings-on in Washington earlier this month? So based on a handful of arrests uh, and prosecutions we've seen of Proud Boys members, we know the Proud Boys were pretty instrumental in organizing the rally that happened around then-President Trump. They were pretty instrumental in leading the charge into the Capitol buildings. They were some of those who were fighting with police officers. You actually saw the leader of the organization in the days before the riot, basically be arrested by DC police on a number of charges, including weapons charges. They, I think, plugged into the far-right group of insurrectionists, much like other organizations you may have seen, the, the Oath Keepers, the Three Percenters. There's all these little factions, but fundamentally, they sort of get together as a mob to the point where some of the distinctions between groups sort of melt away. Nothing I've seen thus far suggests that the Proud Boys were particularly culpable for organizing this. Um, the charges that have been laid against leaders and members of the group have largely been trespassing, obstruction charges, destruction of property that stem from what happened during the riot. You've not seen the conspiracy charges, generally speaking. You've generally not seen um, some of the charges that may come from actually sort of premeditating this sort of riot. I think they, they may still be down the pipeline. But generally speaking, you know, I think some people have tried to suggest that the Proud Boys were uniquely responsible for the riot. And I, I don't think that's quite fair. I think, you know, they are part of the patchwork of extremist organizations that descended on the Capitol on January 6th, that ultimately sort of whipped up fervor and led to the push into the Capitol building. Is the fact that there was that involvement on January 6th and the fact that it started out as a Canadian organization, is that what led to the likes of NDP leader Jagmeet Singh wanting to see them declared a terrorist organization? Or is there anything else going on there? No, I think, you know, this is primarily it. I don't think it's quite right to say they were a, primarily a Canadian organization to begin with. They had a Canadian founder in Gavin McGuinness. They certainly have a footprint here. So I think that's definitely part of the connection. Mm -hmm. But frankly, I think this motion and the call to declare them a terrorist entity, a terrorist group, stems from the fact that they're easily recognizable. They're a name that has been out there. They're a name that has been put to the president of the United States. They're an organization that kind of doesn't shy away from being quasi-violent or doesn't shy away from being extremist. They don't try too hard to hide what they're really about. I think if you're looking for a poster child that might have a little bit of name recognition, that sounds a little bit scary, that you can tie to a number of violent events, Proud Boys is pretty near the top of the list. So I think it's a very easy group to sort of point the finger at. Is this the best way to deal with a group like the Proud Boys? 
Or is there a downside to try and go this route? No, frankly, there's only downsides. I have been following the Proud Boys and groups like them for a number of years, as I have also been covering, you know, Islamic extremist groups, as well as some left wing anarchist groups. I can tell you emphatically, there is a whole bunch of problems inherent in the idea of listing groups as terrorist entities. There might be some benefits, but there's a whole bunch of problems with it as well. Mm -hmm. You need to be incredibly careful with what groups you put on that list. You need some really serious threat assessments. You need some really serious analyses of what charter rights you may be violating. You need to do a really good deep dive in terms of what their membership looks like, what plans and attacks they may have perpetrated. You need to really dig deep in terms of what proportion of the organization is actually okay with terror attacks, okay with violence. You need to look at the numbers of the membership, what sort of property they own. Mm -hmm. To just willy-nilly go, this organization sounds bad, let's list them, is such a dangerous prospect. You know, I'm old enough to remember, what, five years ago when the NDP was actually warning about this terror listing process being too vague, being sort of ad hoc. Hmm. Now today, they're just without any sort of due process, without any sort of assessment, just throwing this out there and demanding the government list organizations that they read about in the news. This is such a dangerous prospect. The Proud Boys are undoubtedly an extremist organization. They have undoubtedly committed acts of violence and possibly acts of domestic terrorism. But it's really important to know that there really has been no domestic terrorism prosecutions against Proud Boys membership anywhere. The handful of members and leaders who were arrested in recent days in D.C. around the January 6th insurrection were not charged with terrorism offenses. They were charged largely with trespassing and destruction of property and in some cases obstruction charges. You know, I'll read you what one FBI special agent wrote in an affidavit to the court. He wrote that, quote, Proud Boys members routinely attend rallies, protests, and other First Amendment protected events where they sometimes engage in violence against individuals who they see as a threat to their values. Mm -hmm. That's pretty bad. Yeah. You know, obviously there is grounds there to lay charges against members of the Proud Boys. That does not get anywhere near the definition you need to meet in terms of a terrorist organization. There's nothing there about premeditation. There's nothing there about larger scale acts of destruction and death and violence. Because it doesn't exist, really. You can't point to a larger act or planned act of domestic terrorism perpetrated by the Proud Boys. And maybe you don't have to. Maybe it is enough to say that they're a violent extremist organization and should be investigated as such. The need to go over to this realm of terrorism is completely self-defeating. It is dangerous. It is an encroachment on our civil liberties. And it opens the door for the Canadian government, for the RCMP, for CSIS, potentially even for CSE, to start a level of surveillance that we should be uncomfortable with. Mm -hmm. There are members of the Proud Boys, and there are members of the Proud Boys in Canada who have really odious views, who are probably very unpleasant people, 
who may, in some circumstances, engage in fistfights and violence at rallies and demonstrations. That doesn't mean we should blow the door open and let the Canadian government seize their assets, do 24-7 surveillance on them and their families, obtain a lot of their personal communications without the due process that would be afforded by somebody else in this country. It is a slippery slope to start going this direction. And it really opens the door for a future government to do this exact same process for, let's say, Antifa or Black Lives Matter or socialist youth or whatever. Mm -hmm. It is a very dangerous precedent to start just ad hoc listing organizations that you don't like to basically let our security services do mass surveillance of them. You do point out an interesting comparison, and I know that there's been talk, especially in the States, about, well, what about Antifa? Antifa is a terrorist group, just like all these other right-wing groups that people say are terrorist groups. But you get into groups like Black Lives Matter, it's not the best equivalency, I guess, is what I'm no, getting it's at. Not. Like, are, are, are there concerns that, you know, by saying, like, well, if we do this to the Proud Boys, someone may do it to Black Lives Matter, and the public may go, well, they don't deserve that because they're not an odious group like the Proud Boys are. Yeah, I mean, that's a very good point. I mean, just to be abundantly clear, if there is a spectrum of groups that engage in violence, Antifa is several steps removed from the Proud Boys, and Proud Boys are several steps removed from other more dangerous neo-Nazi organizations that have committed bombings, uh, targeted assassinations, so on and so forth. It is not okay to lump these groups together without any sort of moderation or nuance or actual analysis. It is really dangerous to start doing that. But I think probably the comparisons between Proud Boys and Antifa are a little bit closer than some of the others. Mm -hmm. Because if you're talking about just criminal actions, it is undeniable that some quote-unquote members of Antifa, which again, is is kind of a a difficult thing to say because there is no central Antifa you can point to. But people who have been described as Antifa or self-described as Antifa have, yeah, They've broken windows. They may have gotten in some fist fights. Um, you know, they may have set things on fire. Those are crimes. Yeah. To start calling that domestic terrorism is just completely blowing any sort of proportion or nuance out of the water. When you're talking about the Proud Boys, it's a similar circumstance. Yes, it's pretty much undeniable that either actual members or self-described Proud Boys or people we may describe as Proud Boys have engaged in acts of violence. And I think in some cases, they probably have targeted racialized people, queer people, so on and so forth for that violence. Mm -hmm. But you've not seen the bombings, you've not seen orchestrated efforts to fund plots to commit acts of domestic terrorism, you've not seen firebombing, so on and so forth. But that being said, there are other neo-Nazi organizations and white supremacist organizations who have done that. And there is probably a conversation to be had about the lack of seriousness we place on investigating those organizations. The fact that we're now getting distracted by this conversation about the Proud Boys because Jugmeet Singh has seemingly read about them in the newspaper is, again, very troubling. This is not how this process works. You can't just put a motion before parliament and demand the government start listing organizations. It politicizes the process that needs to be depoliticized. And fundamentally, it misunderstands what the point of this listing process is. It is not just a big bad list of every organization you don't like. This list comes with you know real 
consequences. If you list an organization, then every member of that organization in Canada uh, would be forbidden from donating to them, would be forbidden from using property or holding events in their homes. Hotels, conference venues would be forbidden under you know threat of massive fines, potentially jail time, from renting space to them. Mm-hmm. That is a really serious penalty to throw on something that you don't seem to totally understand. You mentioned that there are other extreme right-wing groups in this country, white supremacist groups, that perhaps need a look at. Where does the Proud Boys fall in comparison to other militias or neo-Nazi groups who present maybe a further risk of real harm? Now, I think there is undeniably linkages between the Proud Boys and those organizations that probably deserve some scrutiny. And there seems to be some pretty well-established connections in terms of membership between the Proud Boys and some other more violent, smaller cells of neo-Nazi white supremacist groups that have committed acts of seemingly domestic terrorism, at the very least murder, arson, and some other crimes of that ilk. I think there's a lot to be investigated there. And you're seeing the FBI do a lot of that work in the US. I think you're seeing a little bit of that work go on in Canada from the RCMP and from CSIS. But frankly, I don't think we have a good picture mm-hmm. of the prevalence and the complexity of the far right threat in Canada. And it's a difficult question. I mean, you've seen individuals who have self radicalized without any sort of help commit or plan acts of violence against political leaders or protected groups in this country. You've seen plots from organized far-right groups in this country as well. And oftentimes, we're caught flat-footed. We're not prepared oftentimes for this domestic right-wing extremism because you know we as a country have spent so much time turning towards the threat posed by Islamic extremism, by Al-Qaeda, by the Islamic State. I don't think we were doing enough to investigate and prepare ourselves for the threat being posed by these far-right groups. And I think now, unfortunately, we're scrambling trying to get ourselves together for exactly that question. But the wrong way to go about this is to start listing every far-right group you can think of. What's more, it poses this other sort of frustrating, self-defeating problem where if you start listing some groups but not others, Mm -hmm. then are you actually thwarting your effort to take on the most dangerous organizations? If you list the Proud Boys, for example, but not the Order of Nine Angles, a Satanist neo-Nazi organization, or at the very least, a a quasi-organization that has neo-Nazi sympathies, where do you sit when you, you uncover a plot by that organization where you don't have the ability to seize their property or to potentially get some of the court orders that you would be able to get if they were a listed group? So actually, what this does is exposes some of the absurdities of this listing process. You're never going to catch up with the number of groups that spring up. You're never going to list every potentially dangerous domestic terror organization that is out there. So at a certain point, this list begins to look absurd. And if you start clamoring to just add every group you can think of onto it, I think it only, you know, makes the entire process worse. So ultimately, what do you think authorities in Canada need to do to deal with groups like the Proud Boys, like some of these other extremist groups? Is it just resources on investigations? What in your mind would kind of make it more palatable or a better approach? Yeah, you know, I think resources, uh, you know, staffing and dedicated teams to investigating to what degree these groups pose a threat is really instrumental. You know, over the last 20, 30 years, 
you have seen significant resources dedicated to investigating left-wing groups that in the end posed absolutely no threat. You've seen undercover officers into anti-war groups. Um, you've seen massive phone tap and you know human uh, intelligence operations dispatched to, to target some anarchist groups that committed a, a couple small you know non-violent attacks and maybe that's worthwhile but as far as we know the same resourcing has not been dispatched in the last 10 years or so to tackle the threat posed by groups that have targeted racialized minorities queer people that have targeted synagogues and mosques that have organized plots against elected officials and i think eventually we're going to need to hear a clear explanation from the government of how much resources they're devoting to that question because the threat is very real. We've seen an arrest just in the last few days in Quebec, just across the river from Ottawa, of a man with significant ammunition and weapons posting online suggesting that somebody ought to be storming parliament and you openly talking about the treasons committed by the Trudeau government. You know, all of this is alleged in court documents by the Sûreté de Québec across the river on the Quebec side. In July, you saw a man drive through the front gates of Rideau Hall, allegedly with a plan to harm the prime minister. You've seen movements like QAnon and others whip up fervor in this country, suggesting that you know our elected representatives are organizing a massive child trafficking ring and need to be arrested and brought down. You've seen mm -hmm. people try to do citizens' arrests of Jagmeet Singh and others. So it has not become clear to me at all that our security services are taking the threat of individuals like that seriously enough. Oftentimes, the arrests come at the last minute or they come far, far too late after the attempt has already been made. So it is incumbent on the RCMP, CSIS, and local police to start using the authorities they already have to start looking into their communications online, to start looking into networks that may have sprung up, to look into fundraising efforts that may be undertaken by those organizations. And we need to get away from this question of which groups do we list and which groups don't we list. We need to let the actual threat drive the investigation and not the actual organization they may belong to. Well, it's fascinating stuff. Thanks for all your work on this, Justin, and thanks for your time. Absolutely. Cheers. 10.3 is produced by Sean Knox, theme music by Bryce Hall, Thanks to my guest, Justin Ling. More from him at justinling.ca. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.